0: Good morning, Redemption Church. How are y'all doing? Hey, let's be bold this morning, Redemption Church. Let's be bold together. How many of you need some boldness in your life? Okay, I got a couple of people out there for you. They're hungry, they're hungry. And for the rest of you, I'm just going to force feed you this morning. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. How many of you have met someone bold in your life? And you're like, God. They just seem to always have it together, and they just always have it down. And even whenever life knocks them down, they get up and they're better than they ever were before. They just win. There are people that just inspire us, don't they? I've met those people in my life, and they have made such an impact on my life, and some of those people are in here today. You know, we think of, like, these people. And we're like, wow, they are so inspirational to me. This is so amazing. One day I want to be like them. But that's the problem is that, like, there's you, right? Like, yeah, these people who are super inspiring to you. And then there's you. You, like, can't wake up on time in the morning. Like, me personally, this, what am I trying to say? This, uh, This morning... I got out of bed and just, like, busted my toe trying to get my alarm <laughs> clock to, like, turn off. And, like, who does that? You know, you have all these people that are so great, there's so much going on, but then there's people like us that we can't seem to get up in the morning, like, we, we forget to pick up our kids at school. I know you've done that before. That sucks. And <laughs> we, have, we have these different things going on, and we just can't seem to get it together. We forget to pay the electricity bill. Uh, We just maybe play video games too much and we just don't have drive for our life. It just seems like they are these inspirational people. And then there's us and we just can't seem to get it together. So what's the gap between them and everyone else? Like what is the secret sauce that they have that we're missing out on? This is my question to you today. And what I want you to do is consider with me this morning that maybe there isn't a secret that we're missing out on. There's no secret sauce. And that the gap between us and them is not actually that big. I want you to consider this today. If you're taking notes, this is the title of my sermon, that these people have some variation of everyday boldness. The title of my sermon is Everyday Boldness. And today we're going to dive in to the book of Acts, chapter 17, and we're going to take a look at the Apostle Paul. And the reason we're going to do that is because Paul, he had everyday boldness. And so let's do that right now. If you would, turn with your, in your Bibles with me to uh, Acts chapter 17, 1 through 9 is going to be our text for the day. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. We'll put it up here on the screens for you. So we're just going to dive straight in. We're going to live in this text. And so what I want you to do, if you would, just for the next hour, I just want you to live in this text with me. I want you to... Think of these people and realize that this is something that they actually went through and that it really affected people afterwards. So let's look at this. It says, Paul and Silas in Thessalonica, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, which is like a church. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on Three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women, which is a weird way of just saying several of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, where Paul and Silas had been staying, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, who was like their king, saying that there's another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed at what they heard uh, when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So let me kind of like set this scripture up for you. So we're in Acts 17 right now. What has happened is we have Paul. And Silas traveling from the city of Philippi. They were there and they were sharing the gospel of Jesus, planting churches and showing people what it looks like to live a life for Jesus. Whenever they were ran uh, out of the city, they were beaten and they were sent out, and so they were on their way. Paul, before he met Jesus, made a profession of actually capturing, torturing, murdering, and just killing Christians. That was like his thing. But Jesus met him on his way, and Paul experienced what many of you here at Redemption Church have experienced, which is life change through Jesus. He is now on his second mission trip, so he's already done this one time where he went through several cities in different regions and planted churches in the name of Jesus. And that's where we pick up with our boy Silas. Whenever he goes, whenever Paul goes on this second mission trip, he handpicks Silas and he says, hey, I want you to come with me. And so that's what they did. They went to Philippi. They left Philippi after getting beaten up and thrown out. And now they are on their way to the city of Thessalonica. That's everything that we have here for this context. And and they did exactly what they were called to do, which was live a life of everyday boldness which is to get up, dust your sandals off, and keep telling people about Jesus no matter what comes your way. And that is where we pick up right here in Acts 17 on their journey. So we're going to look back at verse 2. I think there's something so interesting here that I want to show you. It says, and Paul went in as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Here's what I want you to notice about this. If you're taking notes, this is going to be the first note, that most miracles happen in minor moments. When we think of Paul, we think of him being imprisoned, getting shipwrecked, getting bitten by snakes, and still surviving. We think of him getting beaten and thrown out of cities. We think about him casting out demons, all of these big events. But look at this. It says, and Paul went in as was his custom. Paul wasn't doing anything crazy at this time. He was just doing what Paul does, as was his custom. This isn't one of those crazy stories. Most miracles happen in the minor moments. This is simply the result of God's grace and Paul's everyday boldness colliding together and connecting. So what I want to do is share this with you. Four reasons, or no, I'm sorry, four results of living a life of everyday boldness. But in order to do that, I want to help us first identify what everyday boldness actually looks like. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible because I believe each and every one of you in here today can be that person who lives with everyday boldness. So what did Paul's day-to-day look like? Uh, Yeah, yeah, his day-to-day life looked like. So he went to church. He was praying daily. He was faithful in his community. For us, that looks like small groups. He was serving his church, and he was giving to the church and to the sick and the widows and other missionaries. And Paul shared the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's very simple. So, like, for us, what does it look like for a Christian at Redemption Church in their day today? For you and I, we pray together. We have our first Wednesday prayer nights, which happens to land on the first Wednesday of every month. That's why we called it that. And, we, and on top of that, it's actually this Wednesday. So you guys need to come hang out with us and uh, see what that's all about. Let me just do a little shameless plug right there. Um, we are in small groups pursuing after a deeper relationship and discipleship. We serve. We have an amazing serve team here at Redemption Church, and we believe in tithing to your local church. We give to outreaches to help the sick and the widows and the homeless. And we use, what you'll find in your seat, an invite card right here to kind of be a conduit for us to share how Jesus has changed your life. And here's, I guess this would be like a little pro tip, like something to think about that, like a big event doesn't have, have to happen for you to invite somebody to church. You can hand out an invite card and someone's life can be inherently changed by that in the minor moments of your life. Because that is when the miracles happen. The best part of all of this is that it's not rocket science. You don't need a doctrine in theology to live a life with major impact on the world around you. There are some of you that are listening right now that you're like, I want to live a life of everyday boldness but I have no idea how to do that. So what I want to do this morning is I want to instill courage inside of you and let you know that maybe you actually do know what to do. And maybe you being here at Redemption Church and being a part of the rhythms that we have set up for our Christian lives will actually prove to you that you do know what to do. We are bold in our faith, by being faithful in our everyday lives. Be bold in our prayers. Be bold in our small groups. Be bold in our serve teams. Be bold in our giving. And be bold in sharing who Jesus is and how he is changing your life. Be bold in your faith in the minor moments. For some of you, that looks like you reconstructing the way and the rhythms of your life that you have set up before you. Because if you want to live a life of everyday boldness, you're going to have to do something different. And guess what? We will see right here, as we keep reading, that God shows up in the minor moments. It actually works. When you live a life boldly in faith, walking with God, you are inviting God to do a miracle in your life. Most miracles happen in the minor moments. Some of you in this room and watching online right now have big dreams in your heart, and you have no idea how to make those big dreams come to fruition. Be faithful with the things that you do know to do, and we've set this up for you as easy as possible in your rhythm of life here at Redemption Church. Everyday boldness looks like this. Prayer, small groups, serving, giving, share the gospel. It hasn't changed for 2,000 years. We see that Paul does this and God shows up. And so we do this and guess what? God shows up. Most miracles happen in the minor moments. And now that we've established and identified what everyday boldness looks like, I want to discuss these four results of everyday boldness. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the first result There is for everyday boldness that we see in this scripture. Response to everyday boldness. There is always a response. Let's take a look at verses 4 and 5, but we're going to start in verse 2. It says, And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for, for the Christ." to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. Okay, here's the response. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking, here's the other response, some wicked men of the rabble they formed a mob set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of jason seeking to bring them out of the crowd there are always going to be three responses whenever you live a life of everyday boldness some will receive some will reject and some will revolt when you're living a life of everyday boldness You have to release responsibility of how other people respond to you. You can't take these things personally. You are only responsible for your response to God. When you live a life of everyday boldness and share the good news of Jesus, there will always be conviction. And conviction always demands a response. It's on you, or it's not on you, on how people respond to the conviction of the gospel, the only person, y'all, y'all hear me on this, the only person you can control is yourself. And let's be honest, you're not even really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul would say the same thing for himself in Romans 7. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very things that I hate. Turns out, Paul's a very relatable person. Yeah. He's very tangible. He's someone that we can model our lives after. Because he deals with the same problem that we do. If you have a hard time controlling you, what makes you think that you have the ability or the skill set or even the right to control how other people respond? Don't carry that weight. Our responsibility is to live a life of everyday boldness, a life of obedience that preaches the gospel of Jesus and share our faith with others. It's God's responsibility to handle the outcome. When you live a life of everyday boldness, some will receive. When you are bold in your faith, some will receive. Hear me out, that if you do this, some will receive. So for me right now, if everyone leaves after this sermon and doesn't take anything away from it, they don't have any encounter with Jesus, but there's one person in here that takes advantage of this encounter with Jesus and their lives are changed forever. I'm good. I want all of you to experience this. But I knew this coming into it that some will receive and some will reject. If some receive, that means that some reject. If you're bold in your faith and obedient to God's word, people will be convicted. And some people will respond to that conviction. By rejecting it. You'll hear things like this, if they're being nice. I appreciate what you're doing, but that's not, that's not really for me. You know, like we all have our own paths to spirituality. Uh, Jesus just, you know, he's not my path. I think religion is stupid and hurtful, and historically, they just have just caused such a mess, and it, it just doesn't add up with science. When people reject the gospel... They are not rejecting you. I want to instill courage in you this morning that when you live uh, a life of everyday boldness, that there will be rejection, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. So don't take it personally. And then also allow yourself to continue to love those people. And maybe there are some of you right now in this very moment that are wrestling with your own heart, trying to reject the possibility that there is a God who wants to love you unconditionally, or or you are rejecting the idea that it would actually be good for you to give up the things that we call sin. You are struggling with the truth that God is really for you. And that he will work all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And for those of you who already believe, maybe right now you are wrestling with the Holy Spirit over sins that either you refuse to give up or you just feel like they just hold on to you and you can't give them away. You're dealing with rejecting the idea that God is actually better than you think he is. And that confessing your sins will not actually bring you shame, but bring you further into righteousness and closer relationship with God and the people around you. We fight with this rejection in our hearts. When you are bold in your faith, some will receive, some will reject, and some will revolt. In verse 5 it says, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of, the, ooh, I just saw something I would never seen before here. Interesting. That would be for another time. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason. And seeking to bring them out of the crowd, you know what? I'm not gonna like skip over it. I feel like this is the Lord. There's someone in here that um that you have that revolting spirit, that your spirit wants to revolt against what the Lord has. And the Lord brought it to my mind that there's someone in here who deals with jealousy. We see it, it says right here, but the Jews were jealous. You have a jealous spirit about you. And I want you to come up for prayer afterwards, and we're gonna deal with this. So we'll have our prayer team up here at the end. I'll tell you all about it. Trevor will tell you all about it, somebody. But you deal with jealousy. And when I'm saying it to you right now, you know I'm talking to you. I don't know who you are, but the Holy Spirit does. So I want you to come up for prayer afterwards, and we're going to deal with this. Um, And further down in verse 6, it says this. The mob accuses Paul and Silas and the brothers of the church, saying, and they all are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. Here's my question to you. Why do people revolt? Pride. Pride is the answer. Everyone loves to think that they are right all the time. We all deal with pride. Some people have just allowed that jealousy root to have such a strong place in their heart that it causes them to actually revolt outwardly. They actually love to hear how they think that they're right so much that they don't Shut up long enough for the people who love them around them to tell them, hey, like, wrong. (laughs) You're you're poisoning yourself with this idea. Proverbs 18.2 says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinions. Listen to me on this. We all deal with pride. So if you feel like you don't deal with pride, that's very prideful of you to say. Your pride is the liar that allows you to think that you sit on the throne of your own kingdom. Your arrogance, which is puffed up pride, blinds you from seeing that you are not the king that sits on the throne. You are just a slave to the kings of this world. Here in Acts 17, Caesar is the king of the land. And here now in 2021 at Redemption Church, Caesar represents the kings of this world that we bow our knee to. And right now, maybe some of you are thinking, well, I don't bow my knee to anybody. We live in America, 4th of July, Independence Day. woohoo! <laughs> but we both know that's not true. Some of you bow your knee to porn. You think it serves you. No, it's your king. It rules over you. Some of you bow your knee to sex or your sexual identity. If that's not you, you bow to the knee of a political party. You bow your knee to money and success, or you bow your knee to addictions like drugs and alcohol, we all have kings that we bow down to in our hearts. There's a whole reason Jesus came, because he came to dethrone those kings and set the captives free. And sometimes when you tell someone that there is another king, Jesus, they go to war in their hearts and choose to revolt. There will always be a response to everyday boldness because it will always make others feel convicted because you are living a life of conviction. And conviction always demands a response. When you live out a life of everyday boldness, you will see a response. Some will receive, some will reject, and some will revolt. Well, that sounds like a a, a whole lot going on just to live an everyday life of boldness. I don't know if that's worth it. But here, let's not forget number one. Why do we want to live a life of everyday boldness? Because some will receive. Some will receive. If Jesus died on the cross because he knew that some will receive, We should live a life of everyday boldness because we know that some will receive. If everyday boldness creates a response, then we also know that means people are paying attention. The second result of everyday boldness is that people notice. Write this down, point to reputation of everyday boldness. I'm going to drink some water because this one's about to fire me up. reputation of everyday boldness. Let's take a look at the reputation that precedes someone who lives a life of everyday boldness, starting in verse 6. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. What is the reputation of someone who lives a life of everyday boldness? Those men who have turned the world upside down, Have you ever met someone in your life that just inspired you to your very core? Have you ever met someone that instilled hope inside of you that your dreams and reality could one day collide and you could create something beautiful? Have you met these people? Have you ever met someone that you thought to yourself, if I could be half the man that they are by the time I die? Maybe, maybe, just maybe I could be proud of the person I have become and I'm proud of the legacy that I am going to leave behind. Those men who turn the world upside down. Yeah. Did you know that can be you? Did you know that that can be you? You don't have to be special. You don't have to put unrealistic expectations on yourself. You just have to build the character and the discipline to be faithful in living a life of everyday boldness. If you do this, then one day people will look at you and they will say, those men who turned the world upside down You can be this person. So the question is this, how did Paul get here? How did Paul become a man of integrity who could live a life of everyday boldness? If you're taking notes, write this down. What God does in you, he will do through you. We are looking at Paul in Acts 17 right now which means that there were 16 chapters before for all my math people. Acts 17, Paul, has established himself by this point. Acts 17, Paul, has already been on one mission trip to plant churches and tell people about Jesus. Acts 17 is pristine, Paul. He's polished. He's experienced. He's been built up. But here's something I want you to pull outside of the story and I want you to look at, that Paul's story doesn't start in Acts 17. Paul's story begins in Acts 6. He gets radically saved in Acts 7. Acts 6, his whole profession, everything he prided himself on was murdering Christians, Acts 8, he has an encounter with Jesus, and he was radically saved. He started preaching in Acts 10. And now, today, we are in Acts 17. What God does in you, he will do through you. you got to go through the process. If you want to turn the world upside down, you have to to first let Jesus turn your inner world upside down. That's good. And as God does these things, he will do them through you. See other religions that you're familiar with all say that you have to change from the outside to change your inside. It's about what you do and then you'll be a good person. Jesus came and he says, I will change you from the inside out. Ezekiel 36 says this, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put with you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. God does this work inside of you. It's on you to have a heart of repentance and a heart of obedience towards God. You're responsible for your response to God. What God does in you, he will do through you. It takes everyday boldness to come into agreement With God's will for your life. It's not for the faint of heart. It takes everyday boldness. But if you don't allow God to do a work in you, there's not a lot of room to do a lot of work through you. So what is our our part to play in allowing God to turn our inner worlds upside down? Like I said, it's a heart of repentance. It's a a willingness to take a good look at yourself in the mirror and allow the Holy Spirit to address the brokenness in your heart and allow him to start healing your soul. But you have to take a look in the mirror and see yourself for what you really are. Repentance opens the heart's world to be turned upside down and lets you see everything in a new light. Just like the wicked men who started a revolt against these men who have turned the world upside down, your heart will try to revolt against God when he is turning your inner world upside down. That's where trust comes in. You say, I know you want better for me than I even want for myself. And like it says in verse 7, they accuse these men saying, And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Just as as these wicked men revolted and accused Paul and Silas of speaking of a new king, Jesus, who would dethrone Caesar as their king, your heart will revolt and accuse the Holy Spirit of speaking of a new king, Jesus, who will dethrone the false king's you are enslaved to in your heart. For us who are Christians, we believe. We've asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. We've started reorienting our lives centered around him. The struggle is still there. I know. I have the struggle. So you shouldn't feel shame for the struggle. The difference between before we met Jesus and after we met Jesus is hope. The difference is that the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you, convicting you, calling you to be more, empowering you to walk in victory over your sin. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, he says, as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, And is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to be renewed, you are receiving a new spirit of your mind. You will literally see things differently. And if you see things differently, you will do things differently. But you have to allow Him to come in and do this and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It is a daily decision to choose into relationship with Jesus. When we choose into the work of Jesus in our hearts, we are coming into agreement with the renewing of the spirit of our minds that he has for us. And here's the deal, is that God is faithful to show up each and every day to pursue relationship with us. Where we mess up is we choose other kings. So it's on you to have a heart of repentance and a heart towards the Lord to come in and choose in on Jesus every day. But if that takes an everyday kind of boldness, Paul went through this process. Like I said, he showed up in Acts 6, he's here in Acts 17, and he'll be here for several more chapters after this. But Paul went through this process for 11 chapters of his life up to this point in Acts 17. And he continued to go through this process until the day that he died. Get used to the process. Why? Because relationship is a daily choice to lay down our old lives and give God permission to change our hearts. What God does in you, He will do through you. Are y'all tracking with me? I want you guys to be able to see that there's something that needs to be done on the inside in order for us to do something on the outside. If you start on the outside, and work, try to work your way in. Number one, you will always be broken. You will never be whole. And the things that you do on the outside will actually bring pride into your heart because it's on your will, not his. It's on your strength, not his. And you're not going to be good at it. You'll only be able to hold it up for so long, and your knees are going to get cut out from underneath you. What God does in you, he will do through you. What is our vision statement here at Redemption Church? Redemption Church exists to see a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience life change through Jesus. A gospel-centered movement. Y'all track with me here. Track with me here. A gospel-centered movement. That is a Jesus-centered movement where? In the heart. In the heart. If you want to see... A gospel center movement in the heart of the city, you have to let him do it to your own heart first. Come on, yes. Jesus changes our perspective. And for 11 chapters of Paul's life in Acts, God has been doing a work in Paul. And what God does in you, he will do through you. We see that here in verse six. Uh, the city authorities make this accusation. These men who have turned the world upside down, the reason that they would make such a strong accusation and use such strong language is because people in Thessalonica, please see the representation of Thessalonica in Beaumont, Texas. People in Thessalonica were experiencing life change through Jesus. And the people who wanted to reject and revolt started getting uncomfortable because so many people were experiencing life change through Jesus. This one church, this one instance of living out an everyday boldness had shifted the culture of the entire city. This can be us. So here's my question. What did life look like for those of you who have already received Jesus? For those of you who haven't, no shame, we all been there. (laughs) I want want us to talk about this together for a minute. What did your life look like before Jesus? Because I bet it looked something like this. You guys can fill in the blanks for yourselves. But it looked like something like this. Wake up, you have a hangover because you drank too much the night before. You fight with your wife before breakfast because um, you were already fighting from the night before. So you get angry and you watch porn before you even go to work. Then you go to work at this job that is uh, not fulfilling to you and you find no purpose in. Then you get off and you go drink with your friends that are not really your friends, because if they were your friends, they would be more intentional about helping you become a better person, a better father and a better, better husband, better mother, better wife. So after you get done drinking with them, you go home. And then you see your wife, and she's still mad at you from earlier today and the day yesterday. And you're thinking that you might get lucky because you're an idiot, but then you don't. So you get angry. And so you go watch porn. Now you're completely disconnected from your wife. And so what do you do? You're angry about your entire life, so you You sit down and you start drinking some more and you play video games or you watch Netflix until you go to sleep that night and then you wake up the next morning and you have a hangover from the night before and it starts over and over and over and over and you're living a life without purpose. That was Paul. Before he met Jesus, his life did not have purpose. We knew this because he was pulling a false, joy of false pride out of hunting people down and killing them for what they believe. Now, Paul's everyday life looks different because he has experienced a renewing of the spirit of his mind. Now, Paul prays every day. Now, Paul prays for his friends and his family and even his enemies. Paul creates and leads small groups everywhere he goes. He serves others around him in his local church and outside the local church in a radical way. He is now a generous person who teaches others on what it means to give generously above and beyond. He preaches the good news of Jesus and how Jesus has changed his life and can change someone else's life. Because of this, Paul has a purpose. You cannot live a life of everyday boldness without being intentional. For everyone in here, I know we can all say that we need to be more intentional in our lives. This is where it starts. Because of Jesus, Paul is living a life of everyday boldness, and he is turning the world upside down because what God does in you, he will do through you. But you should know, if you want to make a real impact on anything, it will always cost you. Which brings me to point three. Write this down. Repercussions of everyday boldness. You have a price to pay to make an impact. Everyday boldness comes at a cost. As we see here in verse 6, after the mob was brought together, the wicked men went looking for Paul and Silas, verse 6, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities. In this situation, Paul and Silas, they came looking for him. They were not there because they had to leave. They already caught word because they were so cool with everybody else in the city that they were like, hey, you need to go ahead and get out of here. And what we see is that Paul and Silas um, escaped, but they had a price to pay to make an impact, Living in everyday boldness cost Paul and Silas their comfort. They had to leave. If you want to live a life of everyday boldness, you will have to leave what is comfortable to you right now. Maybe for some of you, that means that you need to leave old, unhealthy friendships that you've had for a long time. And that history between you guys is just not doing it anymore because you're trying to go somewhere. You're yeah. trying to live a life of everyday boldness. And you tried to bring them along with you the first 50 times, you cannot change people that don't want to change. Trust that God is big enough to send someone else into their life. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe for you it's a, uh, you, you need to get out of the comfort zone and leave uh, a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's pulling you away from your relationship with Jesus. It will cost you to live a life of everyday boldness. It will cost you your comfort. Maybe you'll have to to leave the comfort of your isolation and invite someone out to coffee. That's real. How many inverts, uh, inverts, introverts we got here? Got a couple. You're like, (laughs) I guess I'll invite someone out to coffee. And maybe for you, it's opening your house up for a small group whenever we start up in August. That'll cost you. Maybe it's just praying out loud in front of people. Because people need to know that you believe in Jesus. They need to see it. They need to hear it. You have to pay a price to make an impact. And Paul knew this. And eventually, everyday boldness will cost Paul his life. And he was okay with that. But that's a story for another day. For Jason and the brothers, it cost them money. We'll look right here in verse 6, 8, and 9. It says this. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest of them, they let them go. So they basically pulled them out in front of everybody in the city and they shamed them and embarrassed them in front of everybody. And then they threw them in jail and they had to post bond. It will cost you money to see the world turned upside down. You have to pay a price to make an impact. For you and me right now, in order to see the city of Beaumont and the surrounding areas turned upside down, it will cost you. If if you've been coming here for the last couple of months, you know that we have uh, been doing this Be Bold giving campaign. And what this is for is for us to buy a new building because we don't have enough seats for the people that will show up here at our church. And so whenever we buy this new building, a a whole new group of people are going to come in. We are on a mission to buy this new building for one reason and one reason only, so that people can experience life change through Jesus. We want to be a people at Redemption Church that live lives of everyday boldness. We want to live our lives differently than everyone else around us so that people can meet Jesus. It's that simple. Jesus paid a cost for you. He paid a price for you. It's your time to pay a price for other people. Just like Paul and Silas and Jason and the brothers of the church, they had to pay a price to make an impact. We also have a price to pay. We have a big vision. It will cost us something, but the rewards are worth it. This is, will be worth it. And I'll show you right here with point four, rewards of everyday boldness. This is my final point. This text in Acts 17 takes place in the city of Thessalonica. This is where Paul and the church had to pay a price to make an impact. After Paul and Silas left, he wrote two letters to this church in this city. You guys might know them as 1 and 2 Thessalonians. It's in the New Testament a little bit further after Acts. And so we actually get to see what what the reward was for the price that they paid. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20 says this, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. They loved these people. And they gave themselves to these people because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, want to come to you. But Satan hindered us. For what, here's, here's what I want you guys to see. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Why was Paul willing to pay the price? Why was Paul willing to pay the cost of everyday boldness? It was for the people. The people are his glory and joy. Why are we, as Redemption Church, willing to pay the cost of everyday boldness? Why are we willing to pay? through our prayer and our serving and our giving above and beyond for this new building. It's for the people. Do you want a new building? Yes. Do you want to double in size whenever you get in this new building? Yes. Are you willing to pay the price for everyday boldness? Yes. Why? For the people that aren't even here yet for the faces that are going to walk through our doors one day as a stranger that you will call family. This church is here right now because people paid a price. And they were looking at your face as the reward. You are our glory and joy. The people who aren't even here yet, the people that God is working on their heart right now is going to pull them in to our church. They are our glory and joy. It is not about you anymore. It's about the people that God wants to have a new encounter with. That's why we pay the price. So I'll say this in closing. There's always a response to everyday boldness. There's a reputation that comes with everyday boldness. There are repercussions of everyday boldness, but there are rewards of everyday boldness that outweigh all the costs. Redemption Church, let's be a people of everyday boldness. Let's be bold to pray for our church for our people, and for the people that we don't even know yet, that we will one day call family. Let's be bold in pursuing connection and discipleship in our small groups. Let's be bold to join a serve team here at this church to serve our hearts out for our new guests that they don't know it yet, but they're about to encounter Jesus. Let's be bold to give generously to the church and to the Be Bold campaign for our new building so that we can have the space and a place for every person who wants to come here. Let's be a people who ask God to turn our inner worlds upside down. And together, let's be a bold people who turn Beaumont and the surrounding cities upside down. In Jesus' name.